Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Bibles this morning. Let me preach this morning for a little bit. I'm excited to do this. I'm going to preach a message that uh, I've preached it or something like it a number of times in the past, but I think this is an appropriate time to preach this message today. Uh, I don't know if you all are aware of this, but Central Indiana has got some of the best donut shops. Anybody in this room know about this? And matter of fact, I know some of you do because I know some people in this church will travel all the way down to a place called Long's. If I, if I got that right, I don't even know where this is, but I've heard enough stories that I'm thinking I need to find out. If it was ice cream, I'd be there, but I, I, it's, it's donuts, which is my, you know, it's like down my list. It's in the top 10. Long's Donuts, and here in, even in Plainfield, we've got a, a shop called Jack's, I guess, which is supposed to be really, really good. Um, Central Indiana's got some good, I mean, it's, listen to me, okay, it's almost all, it's so good, it's almost worth eating one every day and being willing to lose a, a year or two on the end of your life, you know? I mean, it's like, I, I got to think about it, especially when I'm young, I got to think about it. Do I, is it, I, yeah, I could, I could probably do that. Well, Long's and and uh, Jack's and these donut shops, they, they do really well. And they do really well because they know what their business is. They make donuts. They make really, really, really good donuts. They, they, they do that. They know what their business is, and because they know what their business is, their business does really well. But imagine this morning with me, if you would, okay, just imagine with me for a moment, what would happen if, if some of these donut shops forgot what business they were in? What would begin to happen? When you forget what business you're in, all of a sudden your business doesn't do so well, does it? All of a sudden, all of a sudden you begin to lose income, you begin to lose customers, you begin to lose wealth, you begin to lose the ability to care for those that you mean to care for if you're the owner of the shop, and maybe, I don't know, maybe the most important thing and the saddest thing is if you forget what your business is, you end up sending out boxes of donuts that look a lot like this. I came in this morning and Gary saw that box in my hand. He got excited. That's the most excited. I've seen him in a while, man. He was, I said, Gary, you can smell it. It actually smells like donuts, but there's no donuts in it, my friend. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm sorry for that. You forget what your business is and, and, Bad things, bad things happen, don't they? And our donut shops wouldn't do so well. Well, there's events in life, and, and I think you guys will relate to this. I think you'll get there. There's, there's events in life that come along that cause us to do a reset. You ever, you ever done a life reset? Anybody here? Ca cause you to just step back and say, what am I here for? What is my purpose? What am I about? Why am I doing this? There, I mean, vacation for me many times, not so much this last one, but Many times vacation for me is a reset. Uh, sometimes people go through illness. Some of you have had this experience. You've gone through some serious or severe illness, and it's caused you to hit a place in your life where you've done a reset. You've stepped back and said, what am I here for? What's my purpose? What, what, are, what should be my priorities? There's just a number of things that fall into that category. What am I here for? Really what it comes down to is this two, these two questions. What's my business, and how is my business doing? That's really what we're talking about, be it donuts or, or life. Well, as Christians, we ought to look to the Word of God for the answer to that, hadn't we? I mean, that makes sense, right? We all believe in the Bible. 
Have I got that right? Am I in the right, am I in the right place this morning? All right, good. I had a little concern there. I thought maybe we got on the wrong road or something. GPS sent us to the wrong place. I, I'm glad to hear that that's not the case. What's our business and how is our business? Maybe the place to start this message this morning is ask this question. Do I still believe in donuts? Now, stay with me here for a second. Think about this. If you go in the donut business, you must really believe in donuts. I mean, look, we had a bakery in the, my hometown, Napanee, Indiana, northern Indiana, called Raiders. Raiders was, Raiders would probably, it would give Longs a run for their money. They had the best, best donuts and Long Johns. But I happen to know uh, the owner of that bakery grew up with my younger brother, and I happen to know in order to make those donuts happen at 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock in the morning, they had to be up at like 3 a.m. and 2 a.m. And, and 4 a.m. to get that stuff put together, to get it baked. So if, you, if, you, if you're going to run a donut shop, you better believe in donuts. You better think that this is what's going to make you happy in life. And, and there mu- there's probably a piece of that where if you're going to run a donut shop, you got to believe that that donut has got the ability to take somebody at 5 o'clock in the morning that is the worst human being that ever walked the face of the earth, that's grouchy and grumpy and doesn't believe anybody else ought to live, and put a smile on their face. You better believe in donuts, right? Right. And maybe the place for us to begin this morning is this. What's our starting point? Do we still believe in eternity? Do we believe in eternal life and eternal death? Maybe the starting place this morning is to ask ask the old question that we used to ask and preach a lot, and that is, do we still believe that there is a heaven, and do we still believe that there's a hell, and do we still believe that people are going to go to one of the two? Do we still believe those things? Do we still believe that Jesus is the one and the only path to a right relationship with God? Do we? Because if we don't, if, if, we, if, we, if we mouth the words and we say we do, but down in the depths of our soul we don't, then we're not going to be very likely to be the ones that are willing to get up at 2 a.m. to go make the donuts. Right? Do we believe? question comes down to this, okay? Maybe, maybe we could put it this way. What is supposed to be in our box? What's supposed to be in our box as Christians, as the church? Go with me this morning to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be at the very last portion of that verse. And I want to read a passage to you that you all have heard before, I'm sure. And you've heard me preach, because I know many of you have heard me preach it. It's called the Great Commission. This is what should be in our box. And the only thing that's going to motivate us to get up and put this in our box at 2 a.m. in the morning or 3 a.m. in the morning or whatever it takes to do it is a real sincere belief in eternity and heaven and hell and those things. Jesus said these words just before he left this earth uh, and and ascended into heaven. He said, uh, he, he came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. How many have ever heard that passage before? Let me see your hands, most everybody in this place. 
Let me just point out a couple of things here that are really important that we miss sometimes. You'll notice in verse 19, it says, go therefore and make disciples. Let me just touch on this for a minute, and then I want to go somewhere else. It doesn't say, go therefore into all the earth and make converts. It says disciples. Do you understand the difference? A convert has a moment where they bow their head and they repent of their sins and they become in a right relationship with God. That's, you're, you're converted from a sinner to a saint, from, from a lost person to a saved person. That, and, and in order to be a disciple, you got to be a convert. So you got to go through convert to get to disciple. But the problem is too often the church, in the modern world, in the West anyway, we have stopped with convert instead of realizing what Jesus really commanded us to do was not make converts, but make disciples. A disciple is something deeper. A disciple is something more. A disciple is somebody who, ha who has and is in the, on the journey of becoming like Jesus. Uh, you become a convert in a moment. You become a disciple in a lifetime. You, you become a convert with a prayer. You become a disciple by prayer and worship and study and living life on life with somebody else that walks you through. You know, how, you know how the apostles and the 120 became disciples of Jesus? They lived life with Jesus. There's a reason the sign, the banner above my head says what it says. It says, reach, grow, and empower. Reaches make converts. We're called to make converts. What's supposed to be in our box is making converts, but it doesn't stop there because Jesus' command actually says, take those converts then and grow them to be like me. Grow them to be disciples. That's what's supposed to be in our box. And then he says this, of all nations. That word nations, you may have heard this preached before. The Greek there is ethnos. It, it, it connects to the word ethnic. How many have ever heard ethnic? That, that's a, an, an English word that we, we get, we understand. Ethnic is the idea of groups of people. It, we, we think nations, we think France, we think Germany, we think Mexico, we think Canada, we think, we think countries. But it's not saying countries as much as it's saying ethnic groups, which is a group of people that have common cultures, common traditions, common uh, languages oftentimes that live in a common area, many times ethnic groups. He says, go into the world and make disciples of all those groups of people. That's what's to be in our mind. And there's times in our lives, folks, listen, where we got to ask the question, what's our business and how's our business? And that's what I'm asking you this morning. Do we remember what our business is? Because coming off of COVID, coming off of this place where COVID has completely changed the makeup and, and, and the orientation and the direction and how we are the church and how we have church and all those things, now is a reset moment. It's a great time to step back and ask God, Lord, is there a better way? Is there a different way? Is there a way going forward that we can fulfill what you've called us to put in the box? And that's make disciples of all ethnic groups, all nations. What's our business and how's our business? Can I talk about politics for just a minute? Five minutes? Because you know for a preacher, five's 15 anyway. I had somebody tell me months and months ago, somebody still attends here, somebody that I love, somebody that meant nothing by it. They said to me, they said, Pastor, every time you start talking about politics, I just cringe because I'm afraid that something's going to get said. I'm like, you know what? You don't need to cringe. It's okay. Ruthie does enough cringing for you. You don't need to worry about it, okay? She just, <laughs> Barry, did you really want to go there? Yeah, I did. And, I, and, I, and listen to me, folks. I really, I really tried to keep 
here's, my, here's always my heart. God, let the Bible be in the center and Fox News and CNN be on the outside, if that makes sense to you, all right? Uh, all right. But let's just talk about ethnic groups for a minute. Our business. So let me talk about this in two ways. I, I had a friend give me this concept a, a few weeks ago, and I, I had never heard it put that way, and I thought that's, that's, that's good. I, 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 that's really good, and I've been pondering it ever since. As citizens, y'all are citizens, right? I, maybe that probably wasn't the most politically correct thing to ask. In hindsight, it didn't quite come out the way I meant it to. Regardless, okay, uh, as citizens who, who vote in our nation, we have some responsibilities. As a, as a citizen in this nation, my responsibilities go like this, okay? So, so y'all hang with me here on, on, on this, all right? I need to elect leaders. Hey, it's good to hear you, <laughs> hear from you. As, that's okay. Don't you love technology? As, as, as a citizen, I have a responsibility to elect leaders that put in place policies, policies that protect our borders. Right? But, so so hear, hear me out on this, because everybody just, what, I can stop right there. Everybody took a side. Hang on for a second. Our, our, our responsibility as a citizen is to put people in office who will protect our borders from drug cartels, terrorists, um, gang members, criminals. I don't want those individuals in my neighborhood or country doing stuff. Do you? And, and now listen to me. You go to Israel and they're going to say the same thing. You go to Syria, they're going to say the same thing. You go to Mexico, they're going to say, the citizens of Mexico are going to say the same thing. That's not unreasonable. We don't want, we, we need to elect officials that will protect our borders. But let me turn that around for a second and say this to you, okay? We also need to elect officials that put in place policies, and our, our, our government's so messed up, we'll just go with that, but that we haven't managed to do it in decades, but we need, we need, we need to put, we, we need to elect officials that will put in place policies that will allow moms and dads who need asylum, who are starving to death, who have no hope, who can add something to our nation, the opportunity to get in in some timely, reasonable manner. You know, I, I don't know what your background is, but I suspect everybody sitting in this room, we are all descendants of immigrants. English, Irish, German, right? And they came in, many through, through New York City, through the, uh, under, the, under the gaze of the Statue of Liberty that talks about taking those that are, are in need and those that are starving and those that are impoverished. And we need to elect officials that will do both of those things, keep those that are criminals out and allow those that need asylum in. And, and it's hard, it's complicated. I, I can stand here and tell you how to fix it and you all can elect me to president and I'll fix it and it'll be great, except it's not that easy. It's complicated. Imagine with me for a second. Just think with me how, I, I mean, we, we, we listen to the stories of what's going on on the border and we feel one way about it. We get angry, this and that. Can Put yourself in the shoes of those moms and dads with children that are trying to cross the border 
and, and just think for a minute with me, okay? They are having to, many of them coming from Central America are having to cross thousands of miles of difficult, hard terrain in, in, in nations that are not their own through counties and states that don't want them there, not knowing whether they're going to make it, and they choose. Now, these I'm not talking about gangbangers. I'm not talking about criminals. I'm not talking about all, all, all that group of people. I'm talking about moms and dads with children that look around them and see their surroundings and see them, their circumstances, and it's so painful and so bad that they're willing to pack their families up and take that trip for thousands of miles to come to the border of the United States of America with the hope that they might find some way to get in. Can you imagine how bad it must be where they're coming from? I suspect that there's not one person in this room that if a mom walked up to your front door with her children behind her, that you could tell we're impoverished and in desperate need and ask you if you could help them with a little bread, a little water, and maybe some clothes. I doubt there's one person in this, work, this room that would shut the door in their face and say, you need to leave. Is there? But it's complicated because if we throw that door wide open, then all of a sudden you've got thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of families that are trying to make that trip, and many of them are going to die along the way. So that may or may not be the answer. The, the reality is you can let me to president. I can't fix it because I don't know the answer. But that's our responsibility as citizens. We need to elect people that will allow for timely asylum and care, and at the same time protect the borders from those that have no business getting in. Now, I don't know about you all, but that seems kind of common sense to me. I don't care. Listen to me. If you would show me a Democrat or a Republican that would be able to pull that off, I'd vote for them. That's our responsibility as citizens, and we need to take that responsibility as citizens seriously. Can I tell you something else, though? Everyone in this room, we have a responsibility as Christians. Can I talk about that for a minute? Many times there's overlap, but not always. Let me tell you about our responsibility as Christians. According to the Word of God. Y'all ready for this? This is what the Word of God teaches us. Feed and care for the poor. Right? The orphan. The widow. The sojourner among you. Do you know another word for sojourner? The immigrant among you. Stranger, alien among you. Feed and care for the poor, orphan, widow, and sojourner among you. So here's, here's what I'm saying to you this morning. As Christians, that's what needs to be in our box. As citizens, I need to elect officials, politicians that will put those other things in place. As a Christian, I'm so glad I'm not a politician. Anybody else in this room? Not just because I don't have a lot of respect for a lot of them, but because honestly, I wouldn't want their job. It's hard. I'm glad I can let them do that job and I can focus on this job. Right? Every election day, I go to the polls and I vote and I elect somebody to take care of the borders and figure out the policies and I do my best to put the person in place that will do what makes sense. When I'm done with that election, I walk back and you know what I am? I'm still a Christian and I still have a responsibility to care for the poor and the widow and the sojourner and the needy and the hungry, and that's what I'm supposed to put in this box.
Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all ethnos. Ethnic groups, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's our business and how's our business? Man, y'all got quiet. Did I get too political for too long? I took more than five minutes, didn't I? Y'all hate me now? No, you still with me? All right. You know, you don't have to like me or agree with me, but you do have to love me. But don't laugh too loud because the same thing's true of me to you. (laughs) I like you and I love you. I really do. And that's why I'm trying to speak the word of God in truth this morning. And You know what we need to stop doing? We need to stop believing that CNN or Fox News are going to tell us the truth and the whole truth. We need to become aware that every single one of them has an agenda and a spin one way or the other. How do you get the truth? Anybody have a Does anybody actually carry a physical Bible anymore? I mean, hold your Bible up if you actually have one. Mine, mine's in my iPad, so I mean, I'm... All right, hold, it, hold, it, hold it up there. Do you know how you get the truth? There it is. There it is. And it's not just a social... It's not just a... It's not just a southern border issue. We think it is, and it's, that's the big one, and that's what's so heated, and that's what gets pastors and politicians in trouble. And, but you know what? It's not. We got a church, an Assembly of God sister church that is just a handful of miles up the road that the, the pastor and his, his, his wife and their family, good friends of Ruthie and mine, and they are half, 50% of their church right now is Congolese, Ethiopian, and um, not Burmese, Ethiopian, Congolese, and one other group that are being dropped off in America on the west side of Indianapolis and walked away from, and they don't know how to work a thermostat or flush a toilet or get a job or speak the language, and there is nobody there to care for the sojourner, the poor, the needy, the widow, the orphan. And they've stepped in, and, and, and it, it was a process for them in their church. He, he's told me the stories a few times. It was a process for them in their church to come to the place where the church, and I'll just be honest with you, what because I'm not on Facebook Live, what it came to be was the church that was left because there were those that left the church, but the church that was left finally said, Pastor, this is what's supposed to be in our box. We get it now. We see it. We're with you. And all of a sudden, they begin to quit being the African family and the American family, and they became the church family. And all of a sudden, 50% of their church is from Africa and 50% of their church is Americans who are one family. That's what's supposed to be in the box. It's not just a southern border issue. I had a, 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 our, our church planting director ask me about four weeks ago at a meeting I was at. He said, Pastor Barry, I've got a pastor of an Ethiopian church that has been meeting in another denominational church that is not Pentecostal and they're looking for some place that they can come and have church on Sunday morning, have their own service, their own church, and then allow their kids who all speak English to come and be a part of your kid's church. Do you guys have the ability or the facilities for something like that to happen? And I I said, I would have to find out when and how and what it needs to look at. 
and that's going to be a phone call this week. I would love to be able to say to somebody, you know what, this is a facility here that's sitting open for these hours during the week, or, or even on an early Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon. If you can use it, come and worship God here. How cool would that be? Because that's what's supposed to be in our Throughout the New Testament, we have examples of middle class and wealthy people following Jesus. And most of us, all of us, especially by world standards, we fall into that category, middle class, wealthy. Certainly by world standards, but we're, we're, we're pretty much of that group. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's a blessed thing, and we need to see it as a blessed thing. But New Testament, we got Levi, the tax collector. We got the Roman centurion, all followers of Jesus. In the New Testament, past that, we've got Lydia, who was a seller of purple and owned her own business. We got Aquila and Priscilla, who were, were disciples of Paul and, and, and of, of Jesus. And, and each one of those speak to the ability to reach people in that middle class and that upper class social economic group, I suppose. But we also have these words of Jesus. And let me just share this with you as I, I, I change directions here for just a moment. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 19, he said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked up at them and said, With man it's impossible, but with God all things are, po are possible. They couldn't believe it. Are you telling me, Jesus, that rich people aren't more spiritual than poor people? Because in their world, rich people were more spiritual than poor people. That's why they were rich. They were blessed of God. And sometimes we in America tend to track that way as well, but it's just not necessarily true. But Jesus said it's hard for those that are blessed. When you got four TVs and, and, and three vehicles and, 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 and you know, uh, a half a million dollar house, and listen to me, if you got those things, God bless you. That's not, this is not meant as criticism, but I'm, I'm just telling you, and we can back that down a whole lot, a, a whole lot further. Um, do you really need eternity that much when you got it good on this side? It's kind of part of the problem in America today. We got it so good that do we really, you know, you all with me? Now we always, we always go after those in our own own ethnos. You know, here, let, me, let, me, let me put it this way to you also, okay? Every one of you lives in, in a house or a home or an apartment somewhere. And most all of us, probably all of us, maybe, maybe not, but most of us, we live in an ethnic area with people that are like us. It's just human nature, right? I mean, Ruthie and I live in a neighborhood that, that is very much like us. Um, we don't have a problem living around people that aren't like us. It's just the way humanity, human nature takes it. We, we tend to live, all of us, all of us live in neighborhoods and round houses that are similar to ours and many times careers. It's our ethnic group. We have a responsibility to not only reach ethnic groups that are other than us, but we have a responsibility to reach the neighbor, the ethnic group that is like us. I, I was standing, I'm going to tell on myself, I was standing in my backyard um, before we went on vacation. And uh, no, it was after we came back from vacation and I just finished mowing my grass and it had been tall. It had been high because it had gone a week without being mowed. And uh, and I mowed it, and I would look over at my neighbor's yard, and Ruthie and I had been, had been up in the morning uh, and heard the neighbors mowing their grass, and we heard their mowers sputtering and just doing bad, ugly things, and it finally just died, and I, I looked over there, and the, the grass was about, about half mowed. And I, I, and I won't tell this second service, but I will share it this service because I'll be on Facebook Live, uh, but I, I know for a fact that the husband is going through a really hard time right now. He's having a lot of physical problems, difficulties, I mean, some really serious stuff going on, and, 
and the two uh, kids that are in their uh, late teens, early 20s have been taking care of things. And this is what I did. I, I kid you not, I stood there and I thought, oh, I want to go mow that grass. I just spent two hours mowing my grass. And I argued a little bit with myself, a little bit with God. I said, I don't. They'll take care of it. I turned around, started to walk inside, stop, two steps, stop, turn around, look at it again. I thought, I really ought to go mow that grass. God, I don't want to go mow that grass. I thought, you know, if I go mow the grass, I'm going to offend them. Because people are funny about that stuff. Thought, Should I go over and knock on their door first and ask them? That'd be the right thing to do. I mean, I wouldn't want somebody to just show up and mow my grass. Well, actually, I probably wouldn't mind, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah, it's like, come on, Pastor Brad. No, people are funny about that. I thought, you know, if I go over there, I don't really, I don't remember her name. I don't really know them. It's going to be awkward. Somebody will take care of it. Anyway, long story short, I finally, after five minutes of standing in the backyard arguing with myself, I went over and knocked on the door and I said, would you, be, would you mind if I mowed your grass? Uh, would it be okay? And she's like, you don't have to do that. I said, no, no, I, I, it'd be my pleasure. I'd, I'd be glad to do it. Not, no, no problem. So I, I mowed the grass, and I just started, and the neighbor behind us said, hey, I've got a riding mower. I, I, I know you could use some help. I'll, I'll, I'll come over and mow, help you mow their grass. I'm thinking, why didn't you come help me mow my grass? But I didn't say that. <laughs> I know why, because I didn't need help. And he knew what was going on, and he came over, and we knocked it out in 20 minutes or whatever. And she, she, which is fine and great, and, and she got on Facebook, and I wasn't looking for this, didn't need this, didn't want this, but she got on Facebook, and she posted out, they're feeling blessed because my neighbors came over, our mower blew up, and they mowed our grass, and that's the kind of stuff that needs to be in lives. Those that cross the southern border, but those ethnic groups, because we are part of an ethnic group that live in our neighborhood as well. You all with me this morning? All right, I got like one minute to finish this up, so I'm going to do this. Got your Bibles, go with me to Acts 1, 6 through 8. I want to give you this last, this last piece, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to end this. We're called to reach the poor, the, the parable. I'm going to Acts uh, 1, 6 through 8, but let me, let, me just, let, me just, let me just say this. We're called to reach the poor. We're called to reach the needy. We're called to, you know, Jesus told the parable uh, of the, the wedding, and, and, and the man invited all the wealthy and the middle class and the rich, and none, they were all too busy to come. So he said, you know what? Go out into the highways and the byways and compel people, compel the poor, the needy, the, the, compel them to come in to the bride, to come into heaven. And, and we're called to, to, to do that, reach people of all, all those social economic backgrounds as well. But I want you to see this. This is, this is where I, I really felt God wanted me to end this. And this is a passage you've all heard before, but, but I want you to catch one piece of it that you maybe have never known. So when they had come together, this is after Jesus' resurrection, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And this is the verse most all of you probably know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. And this is, this is what I want to end with this, this morning. That word witnesses. I've quoted that verse, preached that verse. Much of our theology is built around the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That word witnesses in the Greek is martyr. They add an E-S at the end of it. It's martyr S. Anybody know what a martyr is? Now, English translations cannot translate the Greek word martyr to the English word martyr because in our minds, it would mean you will be beheaded or you will be shot or you will physically die. 
and Jesus saying, you'll go into the whole world and die for me, be, be martyred for me. And that's not exactly in the context of the meaning. So they translate it witnesses. But in our modern world, this is what we hear. When somebody says witnesses, what we hear is we are, have a responsibility to go up to people and say, let me tell you the four steps of salvation. That's not really an accurate translation either. So, so stay with me. The idea of martyr is to lay down your life. But there's ways to lay down your life besides dying. You understand what I'm saying? What, what Jesus is saying there, you will be my martyrs in all of the earth, not meaning that you will all go and lay down your life biologically, physically in all the earth, but you will go to all the ethnic groups of the world or they will come to you and you will give up a piece of your life in order to show them the good news, the gospel of what it means to walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to give up your time. You're going to give up your comfort. You're going to give up some of your money. You're going to give up some of your family time. You're going to give up some of your pleasure. You're going to give up some of your entertainment. You're going to give up some of your sleep. You're going to give up a part of your life in order to tell the world about how they can be in right relationship with God because you believe that there still is a thing called heaven and called hell. You're going to give up some of your comfort. You're going to give up some of your ease. You're going to give up some of your blessing. You're going to give up some of your life. You're going to lay your life down in order to let the world know by mowing their grass or by giving them a cup of water or by providing them clothes or by providing them food or by getting up and driving a van to pick them up to let them know about Jesus or going and having a service where they live or whatever the case may be. You're going to give up a piece of your life. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to give up a piece of your life in order to preach the gospel to all those ethnic groups that I have been talking about, including the one in your own neighborhood that you're a part of. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? That this morning, my friends, is what is meant to be in the box. What's our business? That's our business. How's our business? Could be worse, it could be better. We are at a reset point as a church. We are at a reset point as a people. We are at a reset point because we're coming out of COVID. And the question comes back to this. God, what are the best ways, the most effective ways that we can give up a piece of our life in order to let people know that there is another option other than spending eternity separated from you? That's the question. Questionnaire, Ruthie said, I told you earlier, Ruthie's going to be sending out this week. What is your availability for volunteerism? That, that's a great place to start. But aside from that, if God opens up doors and opportunities for us to do things like invite this Ethiopian church to come and use these facilities, will you be okay with that? Would you be willing to help with kids' church? Because if they bring in 20 of, of their family that are kids and put them with 20 of our family that are kids, all of a sudden we got 40 kids back there. How crazy is that going to be, Ruthie? Becky? That's not the altar call I'm looking for, Becky. <laughs> Will you give up a piece of your life? I don't know what the future is going to look like. I've been asking God for quite some time, for a year and a half. God, we're coming out of this. And now, and now we're down to crunch time. I hate when God does this to me. God changed this sermon on me. Y'all, I'm going I'm to complain. You, will you guys give me 30 seconds to whine? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whine. I had a sermon prepared 
going into Friday. I had it prepared. The end of day Friday, I began to think, man, I don't know if that's the direction God's taken me. Saturday, by, the, by, by noon Saturday, I knew that sermon that I had prepared all week wasn't going to work, wasn't what I needed to preach, wasn't where God was taking me. And I got up, I, I spent part of the day Saturday and this morning changing the entire sermon. It's like, God, why do you do that to me? He doesn't do it very often, thankfully, and I'm not complaining, God. I'm appreciative that you just let me preach this gospel. Are you willing? All right, why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? One of the things I'm trying to figure out, and I've got some ideas that are pretty simple, how we can get back into our service altar time in a little bit more, a few more minutes in order to allow us to have some altar time in two services. So that's something I'll be sharing in the next few weeks uh, as, as we get ready for Mother's Day here. Um, but here's my question this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Um, are you standing in this room and you say, Pastor Barry, I am at a place in my life where I just am, I'm at odds with God. My life's a wreck and I've been running and I've been fighting and I need to repent this morning and ask God to forgive me. If you're here and that's you, just I, I'm gonna pray with you in a moment where you're at. But if that's you, would you put your hand up and hold it there for a moment and allow me to pray, pray with you. I see a few hands this morning. I'm gonna pray with you in just a moment. You can put them down. Are you here this morning and you would say, and really this, you're not saying Pastor Barry, you're saying God. God, uh, as we do a reset, I'm ready to give my life. I'm ready to give my life to reach people. If that's your heartbeat this morning, if that's what the Spirit of God is speaking you to say, and I know that's what the Word of God is telling us to do, would you put your hand up and just confess that before God? That's me. I'm going to do that. I will give up a piece of my life to do what you call me to do, Lord. So many hands. Father, I pray right now over every hand that's raised in this room, God, bless them. God, continue to call them. God, use them. God, show us the direction, the reset, the path, the way, God, to utilize all that you've given us, all that you've blessed us with in our lives to make a difference in eternity. Father, we ask you for guidance and direction in Jesus' name. Those of you that lifted your hand a moment ago, will you just pray this prayer from your own heart and your own words? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for those things that have been contrary to you. Forgive me for the places I failed you. Live in my heart. Restore my joy. Restore my relationship. Today I choose to love you, honor you, serve you, and obey you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.